This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now, from Studio B or wherever the Saints and Pelicans might be, here's Brianna Nowlin and Cassie Calvert. Good morning and welcome to the Black and Blue Report to all my Saints and Pelicans fans out there. You are tuned in with Bree and Cassie, and it is Pelicans game day. The Pelicans are taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minneapolis tonight at 7 o'clock. And it should be a very interesting game, considering the fact that both teams have a record of 20 and 33 this season. So we're tied for 12th in the Western Conference. But make sure you tune in to Fox Sports New Orleans, or you can listen to WRNO. 99.5 to hear the start of a four-game road trip for the Pelicans. Yeah, no no Western Conference team besides the Pelicans has more road games remaining. They have 17 road games. So this is kind of hitting a crucial stretch of the season where we've said this a lot, I feel like, but this four-game road trip is kind of make or break for mm-hmm, the Pelicans right definitely. now. Minnesota just ended a four-game losing streak Wednesday by beating Toronto and they unfortunately are now without Zach Levine, who has been awesome for them this season. He had a season-ending in- ACL injury this past week, so our thoughts are out to him. You hate to see that, mm-hmm. especially with a young guy like that. He'll obviously come back next season, but he's just having a really incredible season, so that's certainly a bummer. The Timberwolves actually announced on Wednesday that they've signed our friend Lance Stevenson to a 10-day contract. So <laughs> he was obviously with the Pelicans for six games at the beginning of this season. He averaged 9.7 points, three rebounds, and 4.8 assists before being waived in early November due to his injury. So he's just been added to that Timberwolves roster. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, a guy to look out for there. Mm. Obviously a Kentucky Wildcat. Kentucky reunion. Yeah, like AD. And people <laughs> always love to talk about that matchup, but they really don't end up guarding each other that right. often. So, But he's obviously incredible for the Timberwolves. They have a really good young team, but they are struggling with some injuries right now. Like Zach Levine, they're, they've also been without guard Chris Dunn. He hasn't played the last four games due to sore right hand. They'll reevaluate him before tonight's game. And then... They also just announced they'll be without forward Adrian Payne. He has a low platelet count, which is a blood condition that can cause bleeding, excuse me, bleeding, bruising, and blood clotting after injury. So that's certainly something to watch out for when you're a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Like that could get really dangerous. So they said his health is like first priority there, as it should be. And then Pelicans will head to Sacramento on Sunday to face the Kings. Marcus Cousins, another Kentucky guy. (laughs) These guys are everywhere. (laughs) So that should be a good game as well. And then Garrett Temple um, played at LSU, and he's on the Kings now. And his dad was actually first African-American to play basketball at LSU. So LSU family, local family. Absolutely. And that Sunday game against the Kings is at 8 p.m., so make sure you tune into that as well. Taking a quick look into the playoff picture, we are tied for 12th in the Western Conference with Minnesota, but we're only three and a half games behind the eighth ta- eighth place team, the Denver Nuggets. So, you know, there's maybe a little hope still out there, yeah. um, especially going into this road trip. We're only 6-18 and 18 on the road. The Pelicans have to be better on the road if they yeah. want to make the playoffs. But they, the one silver lining of that is they do see a lot of the teams that are in that playoff hunt through the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So you have a chance to make up games when you're playing these same teams. They play the Nuggets, Timberwolves, like you said. So that is a good thing for the Pelicans if they can start to win on the road. Little Saints news came out yesterday. The Saints will be back for training camp in Metairie next season. 
you know, they had training camp here the year they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not saying anything. Right. But I'm not not saying <laughs> I mean, we've made some great strides, especially this past season. So, you never know. You, you never know. <laughs> Saints also announced they hired Curtis Johnson as a senior offensive assistant and wide receivers coach and Ryan Nielsen as a defensive line coach. So, that coaching vacancies are starting to fill up there yeah good to see him back and you know I went to Tulane so I gotta like give a little shout out to the green wave because he coached for Tulane for several years so yeah awesome to to fill those gaps for sure and another fun Saints announcement was a few days ago former Saints kicker Morton Anderson was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was originally drafted by the Saints in 1982 and played for us until 1994, 25 total years in the NFL, and he has so many accolades. League's all-time leading scorer, the only player who's leading the score for who is the leading scorer for two franchises. He holds the NFL record for field goals. He's named an All-Pro six times. He's on two All-Decade teams. <laughs> Just the list goes like on and on. Forever, right. And he's in the Saints Hall of Fame and also one of four members of the Saints Ring of Honor. Like, just, like, we could go on and on about yeah, this we could, We're gushing a little <laughs> bit. But we had the honor of speaking with him this morning, and that will be coming up next after we hear from Warren Anderson. Daniel Salerson caught up with Alan Horton, who's the radio voice of the Timberwolves. So we have an incredible show for you today. Stick around. Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Friday, March 3rd against the San Antonio Spurs. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing, it's good, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. You're on with Cassie and Bree, and we have the honor this morning of being joined by Morton Anderson, who just this past weekend, it was announced he'll be enshrined into the Hall of Fame class from the National Football League of 2017. They will be enshrined at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame field in Canton, Ohio, on Saturday, August 5th. Morton, I could read the accolades from your career all day, but thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about it this morning. It's my pleasure, and uh, it was a lot of fun and very intense. So let's we're going to take it back from the beginning of your football days to kind of put into context how incredible it is, how far you really did make it. And as a native of Denmark, you had sort of a unique introduction to football. As an exchange student, I believe, it was somewhat of a stroke of luck that you um, happened into football. How did that come about? Well, I was supposed to stay uh, in the country for uh, – 10 months and then go back home and finish 
finish university and continue to play soccer, team handball, and and just basically, you know, be a normal Danish young man. And I literally, the day I arrived, I was asked if I wanted to try to kick a football. They needed a kicker on their high school team. It was my senior year in high school. And I really didn't have a big interest. I didn't really know anything about the game at all. I barely spoke English. So I said, I'll, I'll try it because they didn't have a soccer team. So I was kind of disappointed because I couldn't play soccer. I said, I'll try it. I mean, that, that'll be the next best, best thing. And I mean, in retrospect, it became the very best thing. And, um, you know, the ball really they, it flew high and straight pretty quickly. And I was the new kicker for the Ben Davis Giants. And that's where my American dream, my American fairy tale started. When did you know that football could be something that could be your future career? Probably my junior year at Michigan State uh, when the scouts, the NFL scouts started coming around uh, and checking me out, you know. I knew that there was going to be an opportunity at least to get in front of people and, and, and to prove that I could play on Sunday afternoons. But I really had no inclination. Initially, I wanted to get my four years of education, which I did. Uh, and, um, you know, again... Um, fate, timing, luck, a little bit of skill maybe. And, um, yeah, here I am with, uh, with the circle kind of closing and many, many years later uh, with the highest honor in pro football. It's pretty crazy. So speaking of, when were you, where were you when you were waiting to hear? What is that process sort of like? Yeah, so I was with my wife. We were in the hotel room in Houston, and we were told to be there by 3.30 Central Time. We would, have, we were told we would find out either way um, between 4 and 5. And I knew that at 5 o'clock, if you didn't make it, you would get a phone call that said, you know, better luck next year. And you would be on a bus at 5 o'clock to go to the NFL Honors Show. Well, 5 o'clock came and went. 5.15 came and went, 5.30 came and went, and I'm, I'm like, Jen, I think they forgot about me. I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that, you know, they, they got to know what room I'm in, and it, it, I would think this is good news because I, I haven't gotten the phone call. I didn't turn my phone off. <laughs> so 5.32, big bang on the door, and there was Dave Baker, president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, welcome, welcoming me to Canton, Ohio. And then the waterfall started, you know big cry fest so <laughs> that's incredible who was your first call when you found out so i called my two boys sebastian and aiden they were back in atlanta and i called them and talked to them for a little bit then i called my brother in chicago i have a twin brother and then i called my mom and dad who were in denmark which was seven hours later so i woke them up <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good wake-up call for them i think as well I can Definitely. only imagine, yeah. So what are the next couple of hours like right after you find out? And then in the next couple of days as well. So right after we found out, we were told to uh, one of the Pro Football Hall of Fame handlers or executives, if you will, uh, escorted us down to, to a, a ballroom where we met the rest of the class. And that was quite emotional to meet 
meet the, the other six guys and what great guys they are with high moral character and wonderful players and kind of overwhelming to to realize I was part of that class. Um, so we did that, and there was a lot of more crying. <laughs> it's just a big cry fest, really. Uh, and then we were escorted uh, by bus. We went to the the NFL Honors Show at a different venue, and we had a separate little area. We went back, you know, the back way, up through freight elevators and avoided the red carpet at all costs because uh, it hadn't been announced yet. So the reveal was on the show. And, uh, yeah, that's when we were introduced to, to the world as the class of 2017. Very, very uh, powerful moment walking out on that stage. Uh, I saw Archie Manning right away in the second row. He was sitting right center, and he winked at me, smiled, and gave me a little thumbs up. And he was sitting there with his beautiful bride, and it was just an amazing feeling. The first guy I saw was Archie Manning. It was pretty, very cool. That's very special. So after the NFL honors ceremony, what are the next couple of days like for you? I'm sure you've had a lot of media obligation, things like that. Have you had any time to sit down and actually enjoy it and kind of get to soak it all in? Well, I'm doing that on a daily basis. It's a continuous process, and I'll be doing that the next six months. But I really am just now catching up on all my calls and emails and texts. I had over, in the first 10 minutes, I had over 285 texts and then that grew to over 500 by the hour and i didn't realize i had that many friends <laughs> which i probably don't um, so i had to kind of deduct maybe 20 percent <laughs> uh, you know if they weren't in my phone it wouldn't be somebody i i spoke to on a regular basis but they had my number for some reason um so yeah just trying to catch up on everything i've had a tremendous amount of press not only in new orleans but around the country and around the world really uh you know denmark like i said was seven hours later so when denmark woke up to the news that i had made it uh they went pretty crazy uh, two days ago i got a really very uh, special call from the uh the crown prince of denmark who's going to be the next king of denmark uh inviting me uh, to come to the palace when I'm back in Denmark and have coffee with him and, and talk. He's a big NFL fan. So, and I met him before at an NFL game in New York. So I know him a little bit. And, uh, that was a tremendous honor to, um, just all the well-wishers and, and all the people that also came out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> was he your most like unique or unexpected call that you got afterwards? I think so. That was uh, certainly unexpected. And, um, yeah, that was it caught me a little bit off guard uh, when, when uh, you know, it was a private number, so I'm always kind of leery when, when numbers don't show up on my phone. Um, but I, I knew it wasn't going to be a prank call. It would be somebody well-wishing. And, uh, yeah, picked it up, and uh, it, was, uh, it was actually his handler, Morton Rowland, his counselor, um, saying that the Crown Prince would uh, would would love to see me when I'm back in Denmark, so I think I'm going to make that trip pretty fast. 
Yeah, you got to make that happen, definitely. So you were the first yeah. kicker since 1991 to be inducted. How special is that for you? And do you think that your entry will open the door to maybe more kickers getting in in the future? Well, number one, it's a tremendous honor just to be even considered. And, and the last four years I was a finalist. And uh, it, it's so that's humbling by itself. But, but actually being inducted and uh, joining Jan Stenerud, who – went into the hall 26 years ago, I believe. It's just uh, mind-boggling to me. And I hope it does move the conversation forward that specialists, kickers, punters, long snappers, uh, you know, are, if, if they're at the top of their game, they should be considered for the hollow halls of uh, Canton, Ohio. And I hope I'll continue to, to move that discussion forward and, and educate people on it. And, um, yeah, that'll be my, that'll be my role. So I know Sean Payton was a big advocate for you to get in. What was his support and the support from the Saints like for you? Well, it was tremendous, and Sean has been an advocate from day one. He was uh, certainly instrumental, or partly instrumental, in getting me into the Ring of Honor, the Saints Ring of Honor, which I was so honored to be a part of, joining Archie, Ricky, and, and Willie. Um, that was a very powerful moment. So Sean... As I tweeted out right afterwards, he did a video. I mean, he's just been in my corner. And not only Sean, but the whole organization, starting with Tom Benson. Um, his support from the very beginning of my candidacy has been unwavering and has been steadfast. And, uh, you know, it's very special to know that I, I can come back home and where it all started and, and, <clears throat> and finish. And um, it's how it should be. And... So it's a feel-good for me, uh, regardless of what happened through the 25 years and where I went. The New Orleans uh, Saints and, and the city of New Orleans is where it all started and where that's where it, it should end uh, appropriately. So you got to be back for the Legends Weekend this past season, the All-50th team in New Orleans. What was that like for you? Was that sort of a foreshadowing of the Hall of Fame honor to come, and how was that weekend for you? Well, I had no inclination that, that I would be uh, inducted this year, but it was just uh, a great homecoming, seeing my, seeing our teammates, people. You know, I saw, uh, oh, God, Myers, uh, the, the safety from, I hadn't seen him in 30 since we played together in 82, 83, um, 84. And uh, that was unbelievable to see, you know, Johnny Poe and, of course, John, uh, Stan Brock, I keep in touch with the, a uh, little bit. I, I, I missed Hoagie Gajan, and and I definitely want to dedicate this induction to Hoagie as well. He was a great teammate, a great human being, and so you're mindful of the people you've lost along the way, and um, you celebrate their life and their contribution to the Saints and to the NFL and, and to life. And um, Hoagie was a tremendous uh, American and a tremendous human being, so we, uh, we need to remember him and all the all the teammates we've lost, but it was a great homecoming, and I was so glad that that uh, the Saints did that and uh, got everybody together because that's that's a once in a lifetime. You played for the Saints for 13 years, and I'm sure there are a plethora <clears throat> of memories to look back on during that time. But are there any specific moments or games that stand out the most when you think back on your time with the Saints? Well, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll take the ugly first. My very first game as a Saint in 1982, 
I got hurt on the very opening kickoff. Uh, we were playing the St. Louis Cardinals, and I had a, op- the opening kickoff and um, tore my ankle and was out for eight weeks. Uh, so that was a very auspicious start to my career, and I was thankful that Bump Phillips had the patience to, to keep me around because he surely could have lost his patience with me right then and 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 got rid of me. But that was special. And then really 83 was very special because I had some of my first game-winning field goals, and just having that feeling and building on that confidence was tremendous. Um, I remember my very first game winner was against the Bears, 41 yards from the right hash in overtime. And we beat the Bears in the in the Superdome in 19, I believe it was 1983. And then just the teams with the Dome Patrol and New Year's Eve, our first playoff, uh, when we went to the playoffs and I had to opportunity to kick us into the playoffs in, uh, I think, in 87. Pretty special on New Year's Eve in the Superdome. That place was rocking. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> And of course, after Katrina, when I, you know, when I wasn't part of the team, but came back and saw how strong the city had had come together and how they have had rebuilt and and the celebration of the human spirit that was powerful. Although I wasn't wearing the Florida Lee, it was uh, I was secretly rooting for the Saints that day, and it was a very powerful experience too. And when they won the Super Bowl, I was in New Orleans. I was on the balcony on Bourbon Street when people poured into the streets when we won the Super Bowl, and I was part of that with the fans. It was wonderful. Up to now where, you know, this this honor is bestowed, and, and I shared with my teammates and coaches, and I shared with the fans, and I shared with the organization, and I do it proudly. Such incredible memories. Going forward, what plans do you have for the enshrinement ceremony in August? That's going to be a whirlwind uh, festival, obviously. <clears throat> My son Sebastian will present me, um, and then I have to have a conversation with the Saints about what we do afterwards. I think there's some type of after party for for some special invited guests, but I haven't gotten that far. I will be taking a trip to Canton very soon to uh, to look at some venues, but I think my first discussion is probably going to be with with Greg Bensel and some with Greg Bensel and some of the executives about how we go about doing this. Well, we certainly look forward to getting to watch that ceremony. Congratulations again! It is our honor to have you on this morning, and we really appreciate you taking this time with us. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, yeah, looking forward to sharing this with all. I hope we, we pack the stadium. I hope we pack Tom Benson Stadium up there with Saints fans and Saints flags and Florida Lees. It'll be a, a great party. I'm sure we will. Thanks again, Morton. Enjoy this up, this huge, huge honor. Thank you so much. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things 
like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Up next, Daniel Solerson got to chat with Alan Horton, who is the radio voice of the Timberwolves, and they are previewing tonight's game against Minnesota. Make sure you tune in at 7 o'clock. Let's take a listen. All right, Alan, let's, uh, the last time these two teams played was November 23rd in New Orleans, a long time ago. Uh, at the time, the T-Wolves dropped to 4-10 and 10 overall, are 20-33 right now. How would you describe this season under new head coach Tom Thibodeau? Well, it's been uh, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster with a with a six and eighteen start, and then the Wolves started to play some defense. You know, during that poor start, they were ranked twenty seventh in the league in defensive efficiency, but then over the next twenty four games, they went thirteen and eleven. They started 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 to finally uh, defend, like I think we all thought they might under Tom Thibodeau with his um, defensive background, whether it was in Chicago or Houston or Boston, all the stops he made prior to being a head coach with the Bulls. And, you know, during that 13-11 run, they had the seventh-best defense in the NBA. Now they've taken a little step back here over the last five games. They've lost four of them, and their defense was ranked dead last heading into last night's victory. But, um, you know, they, sh- they showed some signs that they can put it together defensively. Uh, they took a little step back, and it's, uh, it's been tough, too, since they lost Zach Levine. Yeah, I'll get to Zach Levine in a little bit, but are the Timberwolves living up to the expectations of what some people thought they would do this season? And if they are not, were expectations too high for such a young team? Well, I think a lot of expectations, the expectations probably were a little too high. A lot of people thought that this team could maybe win 50 games, uh, maybe compete and, and win that number eight spot, maybe even be a little bit higher. Um, you know, it just hasn't worked out that way. I, I, I think a lot of us thought, and, and I think I was guilty of this too, that Tibbs would originally, you know, come right in and be able to make this maybe not a top 10 defense, but at least a top 20 defense. Um, the Wolves have just really struggled defensively um, over the years, and just they've never really had a defensive mindset. And um, I, I, I think a lot of people thought he would make an immediate impact on that end of the floor. <laughs> and so I think expectations might have been a little too high. And um, I think the fan base is starting to come to terms with that. Um, there's still a fight for that eighth spot. It's, it's a long shot. But if the Wolves can start to defend like they did during that 24-game stretch, like I mentioned, um, it, it puts you in a position to make a run for that thing. 
does youth play a big role in why they're struggling defensively, just not being able to grasp what Tibbs is trying to do there? There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And, you know, I think this team got even less experience this year than the prior year because you had Kevin Garnett, you had Andre Miller, you had Tayshaun Prince. Um, all three guys now had of the league, so they were at the far end of that experience spectrum. But um, And you haven't really replaced any of those at that experience this year. And so even though, you know, Wiggins and Levine and Towns are all getting another year under their belt, you just they've really lacked that veteran leadership. Um, the veterans they did bring in don't play very much. And uh, it's taken some time for guys who have not defended at this level before, at an elite level, to all of a sudden become an elite defense. It's been so fun to watch Carl Anthony Towns develop his game in the short amount of time he's been in the league. You've obviously seen him play a lot more than me. How have you seen his game evolve in the year and a half he's played? Well, it's just been amazing. I mean, he, he, to start off at such a high level, and, uh, you know, we got to watch Kevin Love here for a lot of years, and it became just kind of routine, kind of ordinary, that the incredible numbers that he would put up. And, and Cat does the same thing. Um, they do it in different ways, but you just become accustomed to him getting 2010 games. I mean, I think it's a lot with what Pelican fans are seeing out of Anthony Davis. You become accustomed to some of the huge numbers that these guys are able to put up. Now, I think the next step for Carl is really uh, stepping up at the other end of the floor, and I thought that's where he would make a jump this year. He talked in the offseason about um, wanting to be a better defender, and uh, you know, I, I look at what uh, Tibbs did with Joakim Noah in Chicago and made him a defensive player of the year, and I think I think Cat's got that ability in him to at least be in that conversation in years to come. Um, so he that's where his next step has to come. You mentioned the Timberwolves don't have that veteran leader as they did last year with Garnett and Miller. At the age of 21, is Cat becoming that leader of the team? Has he taken on that role of, hey, guys, follow me, sort of like what Anthony Davis has done here in New Orleans at the age of 23? Um, I think he's got a little more help than AD does. You know, when we get down to uh, the end of the game, it's Andrew Wiggins' ball in his hand. Uh, he's gonna make, he made plays the other night. He's gotten better and better in clutch time. Um, so while Cat does carry a huge load, he and Andrew Wiggins do it together and – and once it gets down to crunch time, it's, you know, Wiggins has the ball in his hands. Even though Cat has played well in clutch time, too, um, in most of the plays that Tom Thibodeau has drawn up in close games this year have resulted in uh, Andrew Wiggins having the ball in his hands. So it's really a two-headed monster there. And then Zach Levine with the unfortunate uh, blowing out of his left knee. Um, he's out, but, you know, he was a nice complimentary third piece. You know, three 20-point scorers, it's uh, pretty rare in the league. Only three teams have them, and the Timberwolves were one of them. So how big of a loss is uh, uh, losing Zach Levine for the rest of the season? I know he was having a great season, as you mentioned. How how big of a loss is it for this team right now as they are still technically pushing for that playoff spot? It is, um, it's, it's a big loss to recover from for a couple of reasons. One, he was playing the third most minutes in the NBA. So you've got to now fill 37 minutes um, at that spot. You've also got to try to make up for his 20 points a game that he was averaging. Um, it is interesting that Zach... The advanced numbers don't do him any favors because I think he really struggles still at his offensive end. There's still a long way to go there, and that's, that's a common theme I've mentioned with Cat. It's with Wiggins. It's with Levine. The whole team still has strides to make on that end of the floor. But, um, you know, Zach was, he played so many minutes, but, you know, he was a minus four. The Timberwolves were outscored by four points per 100 possessions when he was on the floor. When he was off, they were a plus four. So that's a net differential of minus eight. Um, which is a little shocking. I don't think any stat is a tell-all stat, but there's certainly some truth in there somewhere. Um, so it's um, the Timberwolves are going to try to fill in that spot with a variation of guys. Brandon Rush is beginning the starts, but uh, the last three games with Zach out. But um, the newly signed Lance Stevenson, um, you know, played the entire fourth quarter the other night of a close game. I mean, that's how much 
Um, the Wolves have kind of been desperate for someone of his size and experience to come in. I mean, his very first game, he gets signed earlier in the day, and he plays you know, all 12 minutes of a fourth quarter of a tight game that the Timberwolves really needed to win, having lost four in a row. And um, So I, I think that speaks volumes about the youth and inexperience of this team. I know you've only seen a little bit of Lance Stevenson, but do you feel like that he can play a, a big role with this team? Is this something that you see him finishing out the rest of the season with Minnesota? I know Pelicans fans know him very well from how he played with the team before he uh, hurt his groin earlier in the season, yeah. but how does Lance Stevenson fit with this young Minnesota team? Well, so far, so good. And, um, you know, I think the big question is, um, you know, Lance's mindset about this. Is he looking at this as a last-chance opportunity, a lifeline to stay in the NBA? Because if he is, then you, you can see him trying to fit in and do all the right things and listening to Tom Thibodeau and um, try to make sure he gets that second 10-day and then the rest of the season deal and maybe plays well enough to, to keep him in the league. But if this doesn't go well um, and he starts working outside of what the team is trying to get him to do, uh, then it's just not going to work, and he's going to find himself back on the street. Maybe someone takes another flyer on him, but every time he bounces around, you know, it, it's it's not a great pass since his days in Indiana. He's bounced around from four teams uh, over the last three years. Uh, this is his fifth team, in fact, now. So it's you know it's been a struggle, and and at some point your chances are going to run out. So I think the ball is really in Lance's court. Um, he's saying and so far doing all the right things in a very short period of time, um, but he's certainly tantalizing with his size and strength and the way. He kind of can bull his way around the floor. It's, it's, it's a little bit different look uh, when he's out there. And I, I just love his size and strength. For, for a guy who can play the two, he can play the three, he can play the four. Um, he, he can get after it defensively. Um, he, he just There's a lot of things to like. And the, and the Timberwolves, I think, are just hoping they catch lightning in a bottle. If it doesn't work, well, that, you know, it's, there's very little downside. All right, Alan, uh, before I let you go here, let's talk about Friday night's game between the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. Both teams are 20-33, and 33 and uh, both are, I would say, fighting for the eighth spot in the West, but it seems like no one wants to claim that eighth spot right now with uh, Denver, yeah. Portland, that big log jam here. What are some keys for either side for whether Minnesota, how they can stop AD and the Pelicans, and how AD and the Pelicans can stop Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, and that young core? Yeah, I think, it's, I think for the Timberwolves' perspective, one of the things they've really struggled with is the defense over the last, uh, you know, that four-game losing streak up until the win last night. And even that game, they, they, they really struggled in the first half to defend. They're just giving up a ton of points. The opponent's effective field goal percentage is through the roof. Uh, they've got to, you know, they, when they defend, they've shown that they can play with some of the best teams in this league. Um, so they've got to continue that defensive mindset. And I think last night was big, Daniel, because that was the first win since they lost Zach. And, you know, Zach does play an important role. And, and Tom Thibodeau admitted uh, during the pregame show the other night that, that, you know, he thinks his team is in a little bit of a funk since Zach went down. And, and you need to get that first win to kind of get over the hump and then say, okay, it's time to move on. Um, it's tough to lose a guy who's such an integral part of your team, but you've got to move on past that. So the Wolves have done that. So I think a big key is, is, is continuing the momentum they had from last night's win. They'll get a practice in this afternoon. They'll get set for the Pelicans tomorrow. And you've got to find a way to make uh, Anthony Davis as inefficient as possible. I mean, the guy is so dominant. Um, it's been a while since, we've, since the two have matched up, so it's, um, it's, it's, kind of, it, it, it's almost a different team at this point with a different mindset. The Wolves have already gone through their struggles early. They've gone through some success. Now they've had a little, another little slide, so it, just, it seems like a long time ago that these two matched up. And that was Alan Horton, the radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Black and Blue Report.
Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Hey, New Orleans. The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We are going to wrap things up this Friday afternoon, this Pelicans game day. We are taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minneapolis at 7 p.m. Central Time tonight. So make sure you tune in to Fox Sports New Orleans. Hope you enjoyed that show today. It was such an honor to chat it up with Morton Anderson, the Saint, the new inductee to the Pro Hall of Fame, um, and also hearing from um, the radio voice of the Timberwolf, Alan Horton, previewing tonight's game. Uh, and also, we wanted to give you a quick reminder that the Saints and Pelicans are providing some tornado relief efforts. Um, they're partnering with the United Way, the American Red Cross, and the Second Harvard Harvest Food Bank to provide necessary relief to those affected by this week's tornadoes in new Orleans. That is one of my biggest fears of all time. Like you get no preparation. There's nothing you can do in order to prepare for a tornado and the practice facilities here on airline drive are a collection point. If you have any non-perishable food items, towels, blankets, toiletries, clothing, anything that you'd like to donate, please come to the offices, the, practice facilities on airline drive and drop those off and we'll make sure that those get to people in need in new orleans yeah our thoughts are certainly with those affected by the storms also heading into this weekend if you are going to catch the pelicans game tonight you could also go to pelicans bar crew at the american sports saloon tonight watch with other pelicans fans i hear that there may be some ticket giveaways so look out for that might be announcing that later today you heard it here first (laughs) so certainly a fun thing that we've started doing here the bar crew every pelicans away game there'll be a bar crew in new orleans different bars will alternate hosting the pelicans games they'll always have the game on so you can find more information about that on pelicans.com yep and then also don't forget about that sunday game against the sacramento kings that is at 8 p.m central time So two great games to tune into over the weekend. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Black and Blue Report. This is Bree and Cassie, and we're signing off until next Friday. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. 
Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.